Oh, there we go. Alrighty, pause the podcast episode 47. I am here as always with my co-hosts and good friends, John, Jake Gibson, Jonathan Mayer, and we are very excited to have on Ryan Guida, the heart and soul of the FIU baseball offense, designated hitter and first baseman. Ryan, what's up? Second time on the podcast. We're excited to have you on. It's cutting it out a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. Can you hear me now? Perfectly. I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there okay. we go. Alrighty. So this is episode 47. Jake, what's up? Uh, you know, lots happened since the last time. I think it was just us two last time. And we had, you know, Johnny hasn't been on the last two episodes. No, but... I, I surprised yeah, you guys. Johnny, oh, yeah, you did. You did. You did. We, we, we spoke a lot. Yeah. When we talked about Kevin's mega preview on the uh, on the baseball roster, and that inspired us to do a bit more baseball. So who better to have on than, uh, than, than the Rhino himself, Ryan Guida? He was last on uh, the Pause Up podcast. It was a very weird episode, Kevin. It was episode 20.5. It was right after we had spoken with Raja Bell. Um, it, it, it was sort of out of the blue. It immediately happened. That was back on May the 9th of 2023. So it's been a hot minute. But, Ryan, again, we're happy to have you on and uh, talk a bit more about the upcoming uh, baseball season. For sure. Thanks for having me. So I guess we can look back at 2023, first of all. You know, you know, at the end of the day, with the overall record you guys finished, with, it was a successful season. Better win total than 2022. What do you think went right for you guys aside from the win total? I just think that we kind of set up, you know, what our expectations were. I thought a lot of guys grew and developed. And um, I'd say coming into this year, I'm very excited to see where we can pick up from and continue to move forward. And, you know, just to be a little negative Nancy here, but what do you think went wrong for the FIU Panthers in 2022? What do you think some things that maybe you guys could look at back last season that may have gone wrong that you guys could – look over to 2024 and say, you know, these are some things that just can't happen again. You know, it's on the field specifically. I'd say definitely some self-inflicted wounds. There were a couple leads. I mean, I definitely remember the middle 10 series when we scored. It might have been 30-plus runs, and we just had a couple. We got into some slugfests, and, you know, they uh, middle 10 put a couple really good swings on some balls and kind of put us away late. But kind of learning from that, I would say um, – we're definitely deeper on the mound this year. I, obviously, the staff last year was very good, but it's always good to get more and more pieces, and I think the offense is going to be there along with our defense. So very excited to kind of see where we're at, especially this year and how we've progressed. Johnny, you're up. <clears throat> and you're muted. You're muted, you're muted. <laughs> oh, God, Johnny. I got, I got, the, I got the, the – okay, here we go. Um, obviously let's talk about your, your season, you know, as a whole, I mean, you balled out second, you know, all te- second, all team conference honors, led the team 366, you know, 450 RBIs, which is the most by Panthers since 2015, uh, you know, double digit home runs. Talk about your game and all career highs for you. How did you feel overall? I mean, you were consistent all season long, but what, what stood out to you differently, um, last year and having, you know, a pivotal year, one of the best seasons for an FLU baseball player and, you know, in recent years. I would say just honestly, I was able to get my feet wet. Um, I'm definitely glad that my coaches and teammates put me in the opportunity for where I could go out there every single day and compete at a high level. It was, 
I definitely remember my first couple weekends just kind of getting my feet wet and I'm like, okay, I got a feel for this. And then as I started getting really comfortable, then the results started really coming. Yeah. So again, talking about the uh, opponents you, you faced last year, uh, 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 Ryan, there, there were some very uh, high quality wins that the Panthers had. There were a couple of nationally ranked opponents that the Panthers took down. You had Florida Gulf coast. UTSA. Oh, sure. Not to, yeah. Yeah. Not to mention that uh, win against Missouri and SEC school. Right. So, you know, I just want to know out of all the all out of all the wins FIU had last season, just what game do you think was the best representation of of FIU baseball at its best last season? I'd say you honestly came up with some really good games. I think that um the Missouri game early definitely showed we can keep up with top opponents. I mean, I know that picking off their Friday, I'm pretty sure he was taken in the fifth round last year's draft. So just to know mm-hmm. that we can kind of keep up with those kind of arms, I would say like seeing really good pitching i mean obviously we didn't you know we didn't beat miami last year but just getting to face those guys on a consistent basis um i'd say one of the more wild games we had was the fgcu midweek i think we were up yeah they came up and put up a five spot and then it's kind of funny they brought in a kid that we weren't sure if it was like a weekend reliever or whatever but we just went in there it was actually one of their best relievers and we found a way to work some really good at bats i think yeah, i think Mike walk off walk, walk. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. I think I, I'm trying to remember if I if I let off the inning, I got a single. I forget who came in and pinched ran for me, and then the next guy came up and got a hit. I think it might have been Figgy or Walk. And we just worked a couple of really good at bats, and then we ended up winning that game. I mean, that was a big one as well, since we had some battles against FGCU. I think we came mm-hmm. up short place earlier in the year, but to beat him at home was definitely cool. I would say the Charlotte game. I think we had like four home. Remember that was like we had four home runs in one inning. Yeah. I don't know if it was three or four. I would say like conference wise, I would definitely say the Charlotte series was a really good indication when the pitching and the hitting and the defense was clicking. I mean, we could roll in conference. Like we had some And they were conference champions too, so that was, you know, a good test as well. That mm-hmm. was I remember when they were doing scouting reports for that and they were breaking their arms down and we're like so they're kind of similar to like the Missouri guys as far as Velo and the stuff they had and we just Honestly, it's kind of kept our game plan against them. And we really, I mean, we really made their Friday and Saturday guy pay. And I know even on Sunday, they, I'm trying to remember if we won the, we definitely won the first two in that series, but just mm-hmm. to know that we can keep up with them because their arms were very like, like I know everybody now talks about like analytics and spin rate and the way their balls break and stuff. And those are one of the better staffs overall, I would say, other than DBU, like pure stuff wise, that was really good. Yeah. And to do that against them was phenomenal. No, absolutely. There were a lot of great games that FIU was a part of. And um, let's talk a bit about Conference USA. I'm glad Johnny brought it up. Uh, Conference USA has changed a lot you know, from the addition of yeah. so much from the addition of Dallas Baptist, who had an amazing uh, first season with the conference, uh, to the departures of a bunch of teams, to now you have Jacksonville State, Sam Houston State, Liberty, and New Mexico State all joining. So, you know, all, all things considered. It's hard to wrap to wrap your head around the state of conference USA, but what what do you make of the conference as it stands right now? I would say it's a very competitive conference. I mean, I know I think last year we were a top eight conference in the nation, but just the consistent amount of talent. I mean, look at the draft; a lot of guys are getting picked up. It's a very nationally recognized conference. There's, a, I mean, I know almost all the RPI schedules in our conference are higher, which is good. Like all the opponents are playing good teams, and everybody's competitive. So, I think it's mm-hmm. an ever growing conference. I'd say, you know. Losing an in-state rival like FAU, it's always fun playing them two times a year, especially growing up playing against a lot of those guys. And even like to lose Rice and um, – who's only lost? It was Rice and UAB, right? But we got and, uh, San Houston State Liberty. Charlotte. So it's – Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte, I'll take the trade-off. 
I'll take the trade off. I mean, it's always cool to play opponents. I mean, definitely my second year being here, it's kind of nice. I mean, I know Sam Houston and Liberty are historically very good programs. So just mm-hmm. to kind of see how we put up against them. And it honestly just makes things interesting. So it's very cool to see how this year will play out. Have you ever played against any of those new conference opponents? Never at previous schools, but I know guys at those different schools. You know, with baseball, the network's so big, like summer ball or travel ball or whatever. But they're de- I, know, I know Sam Houston can swing it. They got some really good arms, and the Liberty is usually very good on the mound. So those are two very good opponents that were out of the conference. But we're pretty damn good, too. So I'm, I'm happy mm-hmm. to see where we kind of match up. And I'd say us definitely being in the middle of the pack with having a chance to make a hunt lead is good. Guy, that's where I can kind of see us right now. All right then, uh, Ryan. Let, let's talk a bit about the uh, the crosstown rivals, the uh, the Miami Hurricanes for, for a second. Uh, yeah, uh, Kevin, you you want to do that? You want to do that thing you like to do real quick before we continue? Yeah, there you go. Right, let's there do it. Go. So we'll do we have four times this year, though. We'll do it four times. Oh, yeah, yeah, do it four times. Okay, but um, the uh, the four matchups last year, you know, two in Miami, two in not Miami. They uh, unfortunately did not go. Uh, in FIU's favor, but FIU put up a fight in all, j- just about every one of those. Um, I always want to know, to you and the rest of the team, are there any added stakes and added motivation when taking on the Canes specifically when compared to, say, any other non-conference opponents? I mean, it's easy to say, obviously, for the university and for, like, the alumni and baseball fans, it's a big deal to play Miami. I mean, I can guarantee you with the guys in our locker room, it's another game. Those are all guys we know. We, I mean, I grew up playing against a lot of them. You know, they've, they have obviously had very good teams throughout the years, but, you know, you can't overhype a certain opponent. Like when you're on the field with them and you're on ACC network and the lights are bright, it's like you have to go out there and just play. Like they're another opponent. They're another team you can beat. You have an opportunity every time you go out there to compete your butt off. So and that's the way you have to look at it. If you make it too much of it, then you'll make those little mistakes. You'll overthink something and then you end up really getting blown out. So you have to just continue to stick to your game plan as if it's, it's any other opponent whether it's like your non-conference opponents from up north or even your conference opponents, like you got to approach every game the same. Jake had mentioned that you guys play four very competitive games. You know, one of them was a walk-off. Sure. The other one was ninth inning. You know, you look at the team they have this year and your team, I mean, you guys stagger pretty well against each other. The Canes lost players, but they still have a lot of talent there no matter what. But, you know, how competitive do you think these games could be? I mean, it, it kind of feels like we'll be seeing FIU versus the Miami Hurricanes four times every baseball season. So, how competitive do you think these games could be? And I mean, you guys have a pretty good shot this year, I would say. I mean, I think regardless of talent, I mean, I think even last year with last year's group, we matched up pretty well against them. I think it's literally going to matter. Yeah. It's going to come down to, you know, who's swinging the bats hot, who's pitching it well, because, you know, it is midweek, so you see different arms. I mean, I know we we employed some different midweek strategies with just even the pod system we had earlier in the year. So I'm curious to see how it goes. I think it's going to we're going to match up very well. They're going to be close games, you know. It's baseball. I mean, anything can happen. I mean, we can easily go there and beat them, and they can come here and beat us. Like, in the end, you got to play nine innings and do what you can to get a win. I mean, you know how it goes. It's there's. I think what were we up three runs in the one game? They came back and scored four. Like, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I want to know a little more with you. Obviously, I think another cool perk is being able to go to you know different ballparks. You know, especially you know you think of you know at UM it's it's a historic you know it's a historic place. You know, there's a lot of history there. What is like being able to play in in that atmosphere and, and knowing that there's a lot of tradition, but also you know being able to try to show out because you know you're only four we're like 15 minutes away from here at FIU, but you're also trying to you know go into another level at an ACC school and trying to make your your case known um, at, at 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 that at that ballpark. 
I mean, it's definitely cool. I mean, I remember going to Miami games growing up. I remember guys I, I knew that played there and, you know, they've had a great culture. I mean, same with FIU. I remember when I used to go to FIU games too when they play FAU as a kid. I mean, honestly, it's very cool to play, you know, especially in my home state to get to play at that ballpark. But in the end, like, once you get around, you take your BP there and you kind of soak it in, it's another ball game. And that's the way you got to look at it. But it's definitely very it. cool to be there. And like, I remember my first time last year. I always saw it on TV. I always saw it from the outside. But to be on the inside, I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is Power 5 baseball. But in the end, I mean, we competed well. I, mean, I didn't think there was that much of a big difference as far as I mean, maybe we had something go wrong or we made a pitch or they hit a ball out or we made a mistake. But, I mean, in the end, we're all D1 ballplayers. Like, anybody can beat anybody. Before we do talk about the, the Valley League, I do want to ask you, as an athlete itself, obviously FIU gives you guys the opportunities to go to these Power Five schools. We saw it with football going to Arkansas. Absolutely. You're going to Indiana now to, pick, to kick off the season. You guys, Iowa. obviously, Iowa. I, you uh, guys are going to Iowa. I Iowa. said FIU football is going to Indiana. And, and Notre Dame's coming to town. Notre Dame's coming to town. You guys get to you know experience a lot of Power Five. Absolutely. How much does that help you guys? You know, being in the G5, which is still extremely competitive, but to face the other, you know, the next level where you, you know, some of you could possibly be out one day if things go well for you. I mean, I think when you play power five competition, it's always kind of say, okay, well, what do these guys have? You know, the difference is usually at that level is depth, but I'd say depth wise this year, you match it very well. And it's very good just development wise to face better pitching, to face better hitters, just to get an understanding of, okay, this is, if we're in a regional, this is a team you might see, you know, I think it's very good for the guys and for the program, even for myself to just, get a chance to compete against that level of competition. Cause in the end, when you're a ball player, you want to play the best comp anytime you can. It's awesome that we get the opportunity to play. Like even in Iowa, I think they're gonna have two or three draft arms and shit. That's fantastic to see that right before conference. And who knows? I mean, you might end up in Miami's regional. You don't know. You could go to Iowa. I mean, you you just don't know. So it's it's very good to see these guys. Cause in the end, when you're when like, when you're a mid major, and they and you compete against them in a midweek. They're like, all right, well, if we see these guys again. There's a chance of the weekend they can pick us off. So, I think there's definitely a sign of respect too to play those guys and compete. I mean, obviously, I think we're in a good in a good spot. But to kind of continue to answer your question, like I would say, playing power five competition is very integral in non in non conference play. Okay, so let's talk about some cool stuff. That's the Valley League, obviously. A lot of big thing with college baseball players is they go to summer ball, which is, you know, they go somewhere, you know, Northeast, wherever, and they play with a wooden bat. And for you, um, you know, I think that's very special to you. you part of the Valley Baseball League, the Percival Cannons. Um, and you are a stud there. You were there in 2022. And this year you followed it up. And, uh, you, I mean, you balled out. The numbers don't lie. I have it right here. 425, three home runs, 30 RBIs, 37 games played. And uh, I think struck out how many times? Like, how many times did you strike out? It's it's a it ridiculous five thing. to seven. I forget. There you go. It it was insane. It, it's it was an awesome opportunity to see you play out there. Talk a bit about your experience overall, but also maybe head on more about this year in particular and be able to kind of cap off, you know, which is you know a big thing for college college baseball athletes and to do it in this style of a uh, you know just balling out and uh, you know obviously obviously at the end getting your your number retire, which is a really cool story. For sure. I mean, obviously, shout out to Ridge Fuller and Brett Fuller who run the cannons and you know gave me the opportunity to do that. But I would say that the biggest thing with summer ball is, is that it's like you're emulating a professional season in the sense if you're playing every day, you have to develop your routine. They provide a weight room. So you have to learn how to just, you know, take care of your body. And um, for me, it's also the friendships. Like I met tons of really cool guys from 
D2s, the D1s, the JUCOs. Like you just learn how much talent's around there. And it's just, it's a very cool place to kind of get your work in. And I know our league consistently is, you know, within the top five of the rankings for college baseball league, like summer league. So to get that opportunity there to play there, like it's something special. And even like the, like the community, like it's a big deal for them when they have D1 guys coming in consistently every summer and they get to watch them. I get to interact with different host families and host kids. And like that whole experience was just phenomenal. Like it was mm. fantastic. Yeah, I, it must have been fantastic considering that the Cannons elected to have your number retired, hanging in the rafters, so to say. You know, I, I got to know, Ryan, how did they first approach you about that? And in retrospect, just how cool is it that you have it's, your number retired by an actual team? I mean, it's it's definitely very cool. Um, I remember I went to um, – I grabbed breakfast with Brett after, right after the All-Star game, right around the draft. And he's like, hey, regardless of what happens with that, you know, you've been one of the guys. I've loved to have you. have been a staple here. You know, we really want to retire your number. I don't want to tell you this ahead of time, but um, – you're chasing the hit record. I think I was at like 85 hits at the time. I need to get a hundred to break it and uh, breaking it on the day, which was cool. But for me, it was just, it was very cool that they thought that highly of me because I really th thought that highly of them to get that opportunity to be there. And for me, it was fun. It was very loose and it allowed me to succeed. I mean, they, they really taught me, you know, what that grind is like to not just, you know, cause in college you have your midweek and your weekend and you're playing every day. And to be consistent every day is something that I've learned to be able to do. Jake, you're muted. Okay, are, are we good? Yep, we're good. Um, Kevin, I think it's time for a break. Let's do it. A little news break. A little pause up podcast news break. Your look at all things FIU athletics and just FIU in general. So uh, let's start off with FIU track and field, where a Panther was recently awarded the title of Conference USA's Female Field Athlete of the Week Award. That belongs to Michelle Valentin, who had one heck of a performance at the Jimmy Carnes Invitational in Gainesville a few days ago. In the weight throw competition, she managed a throw of 20.70 meters, which is a conference record and 18th best in the NCAA, of course, winning that event in the process. In the shot put, she also recorded a personal best of 12.97 meters to rank seventh in all of the conference. Nicole Rocket also placed first at the pole vault competition with a vault of 4.75 meters, so a great showing for FIU at that event specifically. Congratulations to both Panthers. Uh, let's move on now to women's soccer, as head coach Jonathan Garber recently announced that they have promoted Eric Dobrzanski to the position of associate head coach. Entering his second season with the Panthers, Eric spent last year as an assistant coach, and prior to that, he was also an assistant coach at Lynn University. Eric said, or Garber said, quote, Eric has played a vital role in all significant areas of the program's development. His ability to influence operational uh, intricacies, recruiting objectives, player development, and important administrative duties is nothing short of first class, end quote. Uh, now let's wrap up with the FIU College of Law, where they recently held a ribbon-cutting ceremony for their brand-new student lounge at the Rafael Diaz-Balart Hall. The new student lounge was part of Executive Order 4-07 by the SGA. To provide students with a new space for all to use with almost 35k spent to provide all the amenities that the student lounge is said to feature so that was your very very brief look 
at Newsbreak. All righty. We are here with Ryan Guida, FIU baseball player, first baseman, and DH. Ryan, again, thank you for, for joining us as always. Um, so we are going to talk a little bit about the major league draft. This is something that we've spoken about a lot. Um, you know, as a college player, you have the opportunity to get drafted in high school before going into college. And then I believe you have to wait a couple of years before, you know, having that opportunity again, you had it this past season, unfortunately not drafted, but what, is, what hasn't been like for you, that process, you know, co- you know, getting closer and closer to the draft for you to kind of prepare and kind of, you know, have those conversations with teams, kind of see where you're going to end up. I'd say it's honestly something that's opened my eyes because the whole process is something that is very in depth and it, it, and honestly, it, it, it takes a whole, it takes a village. I mean, I have a very good agency over at PTSE that's advising me that know exactly what they're doing with the whole process. And it's just a matter of um, them reaching out, kind of getting questionnaires, getting feedback and just kind of seeing where you're at. I mean, the ball, I mean, the number one thing I can control is my performance on the field. And then the rest of the kind of cards kind of just get laid out as it goes. I mean, a lot of it's, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen as far as what they're thinking, what they have depth wise, but. You just continue, I just always continue to do what I got to do and see where all the chips fall. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, uh, of course, the, the 2023 season for you is absolutely incredible, but 2024 has the potential to increase your draft stock even more, especially if you have a year that was similar to what we saw last year. So just talk a bit about how much do you think 2024 is going to play into your draft stock rising and rising to get these um, major league teams to notice you in that in that level. I would say, I mean, you know, last year was awesome, but you know, last year's over. It's a new year, and I'm gonna continue to get back to the drawing board and do what I have to do, and just honestly have as much fun as I can. I mean, in the end, you can't really control all that, but all I can control is my attitude, my effort, my performance on the field. And I just have a great senior year, and you know, I I know the chips are gonna fall where they need to fall. I'm gonna be good. And for you, um, you know, you talk about you know, the draft process, what are some things maybe you could talk a little more about in depth of how you're kind of preparing for, for, for this year? I know, um, you know, one thing you were a DH all of last year, um, are, are some things maybe you'll work on, maybe do you hopefully get more, more, you know, defense opportunities this year? And what are some things you're working on to, to get more well-rounded to kind of hopefully, you know, improve your draft stock? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I would say that, you know, I definitely have gotten a ton of ground balls that played, almost all my summer ball games at first. I DH'd a little bit here and there, but, you know, there are some stats. I talked to some teams that saw me during the summer, and it's just continuing to show versatility, which I have. And I imagine you all will probably see me out there a little bit too on the field as well. And in the end, I mean, that's the stuff that, you know, in the perfect world you want to control, but you can't. I mean, you know, the coaches make the lineup, and I respect and everything that they do, and I'll give them everything I got every day, and that's pretty much all I can control. All right, let's talk 2024. This is a team that I think we've mentioned a lot that we're super excited to watch. You guys had a win increase last season. You guys lost a lot of players, but you guys brought in a lot of new guys that seem to be fitting the mold of this team that, you know, this is looking like more power has entered the building for you guys. Pitching has gotten a lot better, more experience. What are you most excited about in 2024? And, you know, just some of the players that you guys brought in. Keyshawn Frett, Jeffrey Corey, Austin Deering, Brylin West, or some of the big power hitters you guys brought in there. So who are some guys we were very excited to watch in 2024? 
And, you know, we, we've spoken about, you know, the goals of this team that is Conference USA champions. You guys want to make it to regionals. And, and definitely I, I do think that, that this team is specifically has the opportunity to do that. What are your goals right now for this team and what are your expectations entering 2024? I mean, I would definitely say that um, being a 25 to 35 win program is realistic. Obviously, you can't guarantee results. I know that offensively we're deeper than I think we've been. I'd say on the mound, we, you know, we had four to five dudes. We had some other guys that were very good that came in the relief, and I think we're deeper on the mound. And um, it's going to come down to consistent, you know, good pitching and, you know, timely offense. And, you know, we're going to have our games where we score a bunch, and we're just going to need guys to hold down a little bit. That's all. But I like where we're at. Who are some names you want to you shout out there that you're pretty excited to watch? I would say on the freshman side, I would say Jacob McKenzie, you know, tremendous catch and throw guy behind the plate. Really excited to see what he does. You know, he's going to get some opportunities, I think, for sure. Um, Sammy Fisher is another freshman that, you know, offensively with the bat at third, that I think he's a name that's going to be very um, closely watched, especially as he continues to get older. Um, I'd say on the pitching side, obviously, Tristan went in the 18th round with the Marlins. I mean, the stuff's there. I think he definitely has, you know, he's going he's gonna to polish out and be really good. Um, Evan Alwine as well. You know, he's kind of my X factor out of the pen. I really like how he's he's gotten a lot more physical and stronger. I mean, it seems like every time I see him, he's growing. He's been throwing the ball really well. And um, I'm like, I'd say like the transfer side, definitely the outfield. I mean, Deering, McCorey, and Keyshawn. I mean, I would even say too, like Hector and Armando are going to be very good too. Like the amount of depth in the outfield is something I've never seen in my four years. And I'm really curious to see how Wit, Jero, and Nav are going to be able to create some cool lineups and kind of figure out matchups or how they're feeling certain guys are doing against certain kind of pitching. Cause I think that we have a lot of different combinations that they can employ as well. Because that's, that's one of the big things you guys have a lot of depth. I mean, you look at that bench and it, and we, you know, we were talking about it a lot, you know, come prior to the podcast, like you guys have a lot of platoon options you could do with Austin. You could throw in Armando in there at center. You have Jay oh, no Paul, doubt. A player. I mean, you I mean, guys have a lot of options. And as well, too, I mean, I know Brown's going to help us with the bat. You know, he's going to be able to give yeah. us a little good first base time and going to be in the middle of the lineup. I mean, it's – I have no idea lineup-wise what they're going to do, but I mean, I have an idea kind of like who they're considering. But as far as like, you know, production, I mean, you could, they can literally run anything. Like, there's a lot of lineups that I could see them put out that are going to be successful. Like, I trust every guy in that locker room, especially on the – off. I mean, the offensive side. It's going to be like all the guys we have are pretty darn good. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you guys were one of the better teams in the conference, you know, in terms of offensive production. So, I mean, you know, just adding on to that is 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 huge for you guys, especially. I mean, there's I mean, in, there's a chance that you have uh, eight to nine guys in the lineup have seven plus home runs. I mean, you might have four to five guys at ten plus. I mean, that's something to boast. I mean, we're going to be an offensive team. I mean, obviously, you know, Witt's very good on the offensive side, and he's employed a lot of really good different philosophies and techniques and things that we kind of apply to. And I'd say that even like the Juco transfers that came in, they've adapted the transfers, the freshmen, the guys that have been there, just the continued development on that side and also on the defensive side has been phenomenal. Like it's going to be cool in their squads to kind of see where guys are at. And then when opening day comes, which literally it's a month from now, exactly on the 16th, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see what this team can do. I mean, I can't wait. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Ryan, l- l- let's bring it back to you for a second, right? E- entering your senior year with the Panthers, another year of experience uh, uh, 
um, added to you from 2023. I just want to know for you personally, how how have you prepared for this uh, upcoming season that you would say is has been different from 2023 uh, physically, mentally, maybe even emotionally, or is it more the same as to how you prepared for last year? I mean, I just I kind of went back to my people that I trust. I mean, I got my guys over at MST and Coconut Creek. Shout out to them. They have phenomenal program design and training. That's I've been with them since my eighth grade year in high school, and just just the gains I've had there physically. I know I, got, I went to Crazy Sports Performance as well, and got my hitting and throwing. They have tremendous guys over there: Max Rios, Gene Cancio, and Shane All. Name a few that have helped me out tremendously, like offensively and approach. And then my guy Tyler Wolf out in Arizona with the Rangers currently. That's Another a phenomenal instructor that I did a bunch of cool stuff on the offensive and defensive side with. So just really trying to get as much positive information and knowledge that I can because these are all guys that know me well. And continue to refine my my strengths and also some things that I need to get a little better at. I mean, there's always things you can improve on, especially over the offseason. And I want to hit on a little bit more. You talked a little about the coaching staff, and obviously coach went into his second year building a lot of you know, momentum and coach Rollman is back. But one thing, obviously a little more different, a new pitching coach, you know, Carson Whitston joins and obviously what we've seen has been, you know, a, a great hire and even uh, Frank coach, Frank Navaretti, who comes from UAB now has been helping up the infielders and even Jane Figueroa, who's working operations. Talk a little about some of the new hires and, and how, are, how they've been involved and really, you know, have been you know great people to have um, for you um, student athletes. For sure. I mean, I would say to start on the pitching side, and Carson's done a phenomenal job. I, mean, I remember when he was at USF. I actually remember my freshman year when I was at Stetson. I was my first college start. I remember seeing him, and he's just, he always got his iPad. He's on top of things. He's, you know, he's a very good pitching coach. I'd say on the pitching side, from everything I've seen, he's done a good job. He's on, he's on top of what they're doing. On the defensive side, Coach Nav's been awesome. He hits lots of fungos. You know, we have our little defensive progressions. He's been on top of them there. Um, I'd say Jan is a very cool resource because he played here and just to even kind of pick his brain about experience. He's actually assisting with the pitching staff. I think his, his exact title is like director of baseball operations and also like assistant pitching, like analytics. Like he's breaking down the track man data and saying, Hey, this is your pitch shape or this is what your ball's doing. So I think that they all had their knacks and their strengths and they've done a tremendous job pushing the program forward. And I'm very happy with them. Um, obviously the hires, but also, you know, how they are as people. They're very approachable. They're, they want to get to know you. They care about the player. And, you know, big thing that Witt talks about in the staff is player development. That's something that they've really taken a good interest to and that they're on top of. All righty. So we are coming down to yeah. the end of the episode here. Uh, Jay gets in this here, Johnny? No, no, no. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to ask Ryan as we oh. – um, Wanted as we uh, look look at the schedule, this upcoming schedule in 2024, some really cool non-conference opponents that uh, the Panthers are going to be taking on. Of course, we had talked about this earlier. Yeah, bringing Notre Dame to Miami, which is super sick. Obviously, rematches against uh, Florida Gulf Coast, FAU, and then uh, Wofford in the midst of, of conference play, and then uh, Iowa um, at the tail end of the season. I just want to know: are, are there any opponents that you and and, and some of your teammates are you feel are, are more excited to take on the others. Like what are the one, what are some of the opponents that you really have circled on your schedule that you just can't wait to take on? Oh, I mean, I think it's the one that's obvious in the room not to ignore is Notre Dame. I mean, I know that coach stiff and coach Witt were a tremendous combo at VCU. They had tremendous success. They're a consistent regional team and it's going to be cool to see them duke it out in a weekend. It's going to be a damn good series. And 
I know it's going to be very competitive. I know that obviously uh, they're both very tight, but they're going to want to win. So it's going to be cool to see them kind of take on each other, how they manage different things. That'll be kind of something cool for you guys to watch, how they utilize the rosters that weekend. I'd say the Iowa series for sure, because just to get to play that kind of level team before conference, even the pitching, like I know I could say on the offensive side, it's really cool that, you know, because I think now this year, especially since we have an odd number of teams, there's a couple of non-conference weekends and, to end up playing them, I mean, it's just a great test just to kind of see at that point in the year, like, where are we at yeah. right in the conference? I mean, I do anticipate us being a conference stand. And so I think also really another thing I would say is that Iowa series, like, you're going to know your fate of where you're going to stand at the conference tournament because you're playing the final weekend, and that's the bye week for everybody. So I'm interested to see how that will be because – Essentially, for you guys, you're gonna know, you know, what 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 the fate's gonna be at the end of the year. So I think that Iowa series is pivotal because it gives you opportunity to, you know, maybe have some strategies going into the conference tournament. But also at the same time, you can say, hey, this is this is we're playing a power five team. Let's let's show out and try to keep the momentum going into into Ruston. So I'm excited. I'm really excited to see how the Iowa's gonna be. It's very it's a very quirky type of series to to have at the end of the year. But I'm really excited to to see how that's gonna play out. I mean, I would even say for the sake of RPI, I mean, if we're fringe national, I mean, this is obviously looking way down the road, but I mean, I can understand from a strength of schedule purpose. I mean, to play a team like that, even RPI, I mean, you take one or two games from those guys. I mean, that's a major RPI jump last minute because, you yeah, know, they're going to play sure. a good schedule. They're, they'll play the Vandys, the Michigans, the all those up north teams. They're good. So it's like just to play them too in preparation for conference, just that's important. I know Wofford – kind of a cool one i never played them that'd be kind of cool i mean the thing for me when i look at a schedule is like okay i mean ideally i want to play different teams the coolest thing is you play different teams and throughout a weekend you get to meet certain guys and just kind of hear how their experiences have been so that's the cool part about the network of it meet different guys yeah not to mention that cool back to back to back with fau start off with boca then you head back to miami and then home and home that's just some lights out scheduling <laughs> you you had to fit it in there at the end, huh? Of course. I get it's yeah, a baseball I mean, episode, but come on, man. We needed that. It is uh it's definitely cool we play FAU again, especially home and home. I mean, it's a unique way of doing it, but it's it's definitely neat. Hey, I mean, last time we know what happened with the bus trap with the bus ride over there. I'm pretty sure it broke <laughs> out. So I'm pretty sure we got put on bar stool for that. We're all hanging out on the highway and we're like, oh my gosh, we're actually our bus had broken down the second time that weekend. And that was also Around the same time of the law tech trip, we got there at like three or four in the morning. Oh yeah, um, and I think middle ten the bus shut out. I mean, we had some, we had some trips that I just got stories. Yeah, crazy on. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're good it's crazy because like early on we were fine, and then like it was like a span of like a month where every trip it was just something, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no way. But you know what? I mean, that's the fun of it. I mean, that's the story you tell. Oh, remember the time at La Tech when we played a game on four hours of sleep? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Got swept, but it's all right. It's what it is. Like, it's cool. Like, it's just it's it's the experiences. In the end, like, you're getting to play a game you love. You're representing a great university. You're playing in the state of Florida. I mean, there's really not much to complain about per se. I mean, if that's the worst thing you have to remember, man, eh, what the heck? Who cares? Like, it is exactly. what it is. A couple questions before we go into some rapid fire. I want to ask you sure. about. Uh, the rules currently in college baseball, just any new rules that we should be aware of. I know we had the pitch clock there. We've seen it with major league baseball. So uh, just any other rules that, you know, that have been added into uh, division one, college football, college football, college baseball. Oh, 
So when you guys get to the stadium, I, know, I don't know if you guys have realized it, but we do have the pitch clocks now up. Yep. That was a major thing last year. Sometimes, like, because I know umpires usually have, like, their, like, their stopwatch or they're tracking it, so that might be something kind of cool. I mean, I know as a hitter, to see it, like, if it are, it's already off, I'll call time and they'll give it to you because they've exceeded their pitch limit. But, like, kind of that implementation will be neat. I don't know how much I'll have to utilize it, but it's cool that we now have that because a lot of the schools in the conference did have the pitch clock and, like, center field and like right behind the plate i would say that um last year was the shift i think there's a certain rule on where you could put the second baseman on the shift i think it was right behind the bag i'm not sure if that was mlb but i know a lot of teams did that other than I'm that open. i don't know those are the ones i remember specifically and then obviously you've played around florida a lot so i just want to ask you where do you see the state of of college baseball in florida obviously some really good programs but just Overall, I mean, this is this continues to be the state where produces a lot of talent of its high school, college, and you know, oh, sure. I'll shout out the Marlins minor leagues system over there too. Although <laughs> it's interesting, it definitely is. But I would say, you know, of course, as we all know, there's a transfer portal. Everybody is getting better and older and more skilled and more um, more battle tested. Like your mid-majors are now getting those SEC guys that maybe didn't get a lot of playing time or maybe they just live in the state and want to play here. But just the overall gap of talent between the big schools and the small schools has shrank tremendously. And that's what I've realized. Like your USFs, your UCFs, us, FAU, like we're able to compete with the Florida States and the Florida. I mean, maybe not like the weekend, but like in a midweek because we're deeper offensively and depth-wise, we're able to compete with these guys. And that's the biggest difference. Even like, for example, Miami, like offense for offense. I mean, our first seven to their first seven. I mean, I could see maybe this guy has more juice, but our guy hits for more average. But I mean, it's pretty comparable. The drop-offs usually the last three guys and then like the staffs, like like the pitching staffs, like what they'll have. I'm like, they'll have a guy with five pitches or they'll have a guy that's 97 or all the guys in the pen are 92 plus. Like those are the differences you'll see. So that gap has definitely been shrunk because of the portal. So I guess we're going to some rapid fire here to wrap it up, Ryan. Again, thank you for hopping on. Uh, sure. Let's start with, with with a simple one. Funniest player on the baseball team? I would definitely say Owen Puck. He's hilarious. <laughs> He's pretty funny. All right, Johnny. Oh, I'm going next. Oh, yeah. Yes. Who's a good one? Who's a good one? Who's getting the ox court? Who's getting the ox court? Who's getting the ox Yeah. I'd say Richie, Dukey. Rylan will grab it from time to time. Owen will grab it a lot just because he'll play like some sort of rap that's funny or whatever. I'll just <laughs> I know Joel. If it's Bad Bunny, it's Joel for sure. But no, it's I mean we have a lot of different music tastes on the team, and for the most part, the music's got that Rooney today was playing some like like party mix like club music that was pretty cool just to hear that every once in a while instead of hearing like Vamos a la Playa or God knows what or rap like it's cool to have a little bit of difference. There we go. I've enjoyed it. And who's getting who's, who's not getting the Oxcord? Honestly, the guys have pretty good. I, there hasn't been like a time where it's like, oh, like everybody plays pretty good music. I wouldn't say like anybody's like, oh, get off the ox. Like, if somebody plays country, okay, whatever. We get a couple country songs, and it's back to like reggaeton or rap or like whatever. But guys are pretty good about it. Wait a second. So what do, does Rich does Rich Witten sometimes get the ox? And if so, I mean, what what is On this the playlist? field he does. It's very mixed, and it's everything. He has a country everything. playlist. 
he was playing like crazy. Usually on Sundays, he'll play Christian music. Saturdays would be like country. Friday would be like a rap, pop mix. Like, and then he'll obviously mix them up too. He always so he has Christian on Sunday. Down. He has it spot down. He has the he has the he has the rotation. Yeah, I would Sundays for sure. Almost always is Christian because you know it's Sunday. You go to church, God's day, whatever. But yeah. like Friday and Saturday, it can get. There's usually country. Like there's got to be country because like you got to be a soul phone out of country. Like. Kind of a disappointment. There's no country, but like, you also play like the rap and the pop and the reggae sound too, because it's Miami. So there's a little bit of everything. There's like a Latin spice, yeah. but there's also like a cultural spice. Everybody gets their music represented. If that makes sense. No, yeah. that's cool. All right, that, that that's awesome to hear. So um, let let let's talk a bit about FIU, uh, the campus. Where is your favorite hangout spot on campus, and where is your favorite place to get food? Everyone says this. So favorite hangout spot aside from your dorm. Right. <laughs> Everyone says your dorm. It's too bad. Like, like obviously, because we're in Sweetwater, like there's not like a little, a little like strip downtown where there's like some like places to go out and hang out, like some bars, restaurants, just where people interact. And you have to go a bit more down to South Beach for that. But like favorite spot on campus. I mean, obviously, Trop Smoothie is awesome. I'll go in there and grab a smoothie or a wrap. I mean, it's just it's consistent. If you want coffee, Cafe Bustelo, they got great. Cafe Con Leche, you get the espresso shots. As far as a hangout, I, would, I mean, the, obviously the place we hang out the most is the field or our dorm. There's not like anywhere it's like you can really go. Spot. Yeah. The field's a great hangout spot. Exactly. That's where guys will just – I mean, usually it's the dorms. But if guys with the field, like, they'll hang out and, like, listen to music or they'll go hit in the indoor or they'll get a lift in. I mean, we're pretty busy. If we're, if we're hanging out, it's usually in the fall and it's in the dorms like watch like a football game or you go to the tailgates as a team just to like have some camaraderie like things like that i got a question now on the spot go who's your super bowl prediction what do you got in super bowl super bowl prediction yeah well the ravens are really good really good i know that's a really good favorite team i know that's his big team right who Jeff yeah. Lepore, he loves the ravens oh he's a major raven fan i heard about how great lamar was all year and honestly i wanted to I wanted to trip Lamar. At this point, you gotta you gotta take it. I mean, I can't. I mean, the dude. I used to my trip on Lamar is he couldn't throw the ball downfield, and then when I saw him throw fifty yard tutties <laughs> against the Dolphins, I'm like, well, I'm gonna shut up now because I guess he got better. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's actually. I mean, it's hilarious. The, the being a Dolphin fan in our locker room. I mean, I get harassed pretty bad about it. You're frauds. I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever. I'll, it is what it I'll is. I'll say this. I say this. I think it was in, it was September. I heard there was a little. Oh yeah. A little. I think I think Orlando Hernandez called the Dolphins to make the Super Bowl. He said that at a bullpen. I heard I him say it was, it was I think it was Orlando. It. it may have been Orlando and Richie Pena. No, it's hilarious. I mean, I will say though, like Miami fans are passionate. They're just waiting. Damn straight. I love the support. It's awesome. I think it's fantastic. The issue is, is that you got like your 20% of fans that get it, your middle 40 are very bipolar, and then there's like the 30% of like Miami Hurricane football fans and Dolphin fans that are like intertwined, and it's like either Tua sucks or Tua's great. There's no in between. Or we're winning a Super Bowl or we're the worst team. Or we beat the Cowboys, we're great, or now okay, now we're frauds. Like there's no – there's no like common acceptance of like what's good or bad. Like it's kind of fun. The Cowboys are the Cowboys though, so – yeah, at least that, we was beat him at home. that was a that was the that was the Jason Sanders game. 
five for five. On no, yeah, absolutely. That was, and yeah. that was Christmas Eve too. So that was a very happy Christmas right after. You want to talk about a football upset? What about the Bucks? Bucks beat the Eagles. Yeah, all right. You got to be Bucks, I was not surprised. What the Eagles oh. lost five of the last six before heading into that game? I was not surprised at all. Yeah, that they the NFL is interesting. It's definitely very interesting how all the eleven and six teams lost, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> Enough about the NFL, Ryan. We know you're a hockey guy. We know you're a Panthers fan to the Let end. Stanley Cup prediction, and I know you're putting Florida in there. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you don't. I mean, I know every team in the Atlantic, the Atlantic in the East doesn't want to play them. Right. Boston knows what happened the last time we played them. Toronto's right. not as deep as they were. Yes. Carolina's frauds. I mean, I, I oh yeah. Chances. I mean, I'll call it how it is. I mean, the biggest thing with them is staying healthy. I think right now they're in second. They lost the rough one of the Ducks, which pissed me off. I think I was at practice when it happened. I'm like, there's no way they lost the Duck. I, I checked my phone after lives. You hit BP on the, in the cages. I'm like, all right, we're up to zero. We're good. Yeah. I come back after lift. I'm like, huh? You lost? <laughs> right. I'm like, oh crap! But it's weird. all good. I'll, I'll catch games when I can. I mean, I'd say you start really paying a lot of attention to them like the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah, that was fun last year. Up with them. Oh yeah, we were that out was, of it. I remember well, last I, year. Yeah, we was uh, we were always checking the scores of the Panthers advance, you know, and seeing like remember the Miami game. I think you found me right after, and you're like, Yo, Guides, they won. They're in. I'm like, No way. And I check my phone. I'm like, Yes. Yeah, and I went to the uh, game four. I went to against Carolina when Kachuk scored the goal and won the game. Oh yes, the game winner. I'm pretty sure I was crying. I mean, being a Panther fan for 20 years, and in my lifetime, I got to be at the game they clinched the Stanley Cup with. They did touch the President's Trophy or the. Uh, they, they that was the, the curse, man. That yeah, it curse. is what it is. But no, I was that was super cool. I remember getting those tickets on the way back from Rice. Coming back home, I'm like, you know what? Well, we're out and we're eliminated. I might as well get tickets for this. This might be a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I'm like, you know what? We're gonna go. And yeah. I went, and I wouldn't regret it, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Like to be there for that. Oh, yeah. Too bad I had summer balls. So I was watching the games from up in Virginia, but it was a cool run. I mean, I think this year they're definitely favored again. They're deeper. Yeah. They are. We'll, t- we'll tell you what. I'm, I'm heading to the game uh, uh, tomorrow, right? For Lemon City, I'm covering the game for Lemon City. They're giving out a Kachuk bobblehead um, to the fans. You, 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 want me to bring, you want me to save you one, Ryan? You might have to. I mean, who do they play, Detroit? <laughs> they, they're playing Detroit tomorrow. It's a 7 o'clock uh, uh, puck drop. And, uh, again, a cool giveaway, Kachuk bobblehead. So That should be a trip one. Johnny, you're going as well, right? I am going. I am going. Wow. Tomorrow. I thought you were only a playoff for our Panthers fan. Like, ah, don't talk. Wow, I'm not oh. I always get that. Oh, come on, Guiz. I know they're good. I'll, I'll check them in March. I'm, like, I'm right. not a bandwagon. No, I got support. I got to support them. They're, they're winning. Right now. We're winning. Yeah, I go to a game together at some point. We're winning right now. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's the last time before baseball season starts. I got to, you know, I got to enjoy a little bit, you know? <laughs> well, you know, once season starts, we're going. There's like no time. Exactly. It's, it's sure. nonstop. Go for it, Jake. Yeah. So um, I we asked that when, when when we had Brylin on the show back in early December, we asked him this question and, and wanted to ask you as well. If you could have one at bat with any major league pitcher in history, who would it be? And Better how do you alive. think better alive? Does it have to be any generation or like just current? It, it, it could be any generation, current, retired. Hall of Fame, you name it. It's worth note. It's worth noting that Bryland said Otani, and he said that he would absolutely crush Otani in the match. 
I'm not gonna lie to like, you, bro. He would in there and hit it. He'd, he'd, he'd definitely get in there and compete. No doubt. I get some getting in there and like, oh, I got you. No problem. I got you. I'm, I'm a crush and he'll do it. You just have to go in with confidence, you know. And he stole. He said Otani. I mean, I've seen Verlander and Scherzer throw. They're cool to watch. But I would say like all time, probably Nolan Ryan. Ooh, I like that. I mean, I like that. It, and if I was two pitchers, it'd be Nolan Ryan or Tom Seaver. Now, what, what's Seaver the strategy phenomenal. going up against? What's the strategy going up against someone like Nolan Ryan? <laughs> he's throwing a hundred. Hope you get a heater and don't miss it. Because <laughs> he's gonna throw like a changeup or a breaking ball. It's gonna fall off the table. I mean, he's he was known for the fastball. But he had a really good breaking ball too. I remember watching film of him even like when he like the prime nines MLB back in the day, or like the vintage games. I'm like, damn, he throws crap out of that. Yeah, he's. That, I mean, I mean, Kershaw. I don't know. He's a soft tosser. He's really good, but I, I, I want to say that's overpowering. Like he had overpowering stuff, like in his generation. Yeah, Otani would be cool too, but like, I, ha- I mean, you have to get there too to face Otani. Like that's that's a guy you might see, but like a Nolan Ryan, that's that's unique to me. Hey, you're going the World Series. You think, by the way, who's going to win the World Series this year? Like, like early World Series prediction. I mean, for the amount of money the Dodgers spent, if they don't win the World Series, they might as well fire their GM, their owner, and everybody a part of that organization. Right. Or they spent three hundred. Yeah. Was like almost a hundred billion. Just one stupid. billion over one over billion. One billion. Yeah, I mean they, they spent seven hundred on Otani, which whoever his agents were geniuses. He's he, he deferred almost all of it till after, so that he's not yeah. getting back on that till later. I mean, they got Yamamoto, Yamamoto didn't they? Yeah, no. yeah. I'd say the Braves are going to be really good again. The Dodgers are always competitive. The Astros are always sleepers. Can't sleep on them. Now, how about the fish? Maybe round one. <laughs> I don't know. The new guy Bendix seems like he knows what he's doing. So I like kind of the yeah. way they're going. I'm just curious. Did we make any free agent splashes? I don't think we did. So I don't know what the deal is. On Hell that. no. They haven't signed a single player. <laughs> so did we just let Jorge Soler, who had 40 bombs, just walk? I hope not. Basically, yeah. Did Josh Bell come back? I remember he was he's he was up for an option. Yep, he opted in for 19, and uh, they traded for Vidal Brujan. They signed a lot of minor leaguers. So I'm surprised yeah, they traded I mean, for Brujan. He's kind of a wet impact guy. I mean, they, they have a lot, I mean, Elias is going to be the guy. I mean, that's if you're going to make a run, he's got to hit. I mean, he was. I mean, watching Arias hit now, that's somebody that you want to talk about just the beauty of hitting. That's it. It's he gets it done. It's ugly sometimes. Sometimes he's hitting a bomb, but like you want to talk about consistent. I like to see more guys in the pros do that. Hit 100%. over 340 in the big leagues. I mean, the fact you can hit 240 to 250 and make a pretty darn good wage doing it's phenomenal. But like the game with the strikeouts has gotten crazy. And I know people that are in it that they're not happy with where it's at, but it's the analytics. So it's, I mean, it, when it, once it's a job and they're telling you to do that, it's one thing. But it would be nice to see the game get back to guys actually putting up good at bats. Like in the playoffs, it's different. Guys go up there and have 15 pitch at bats, but in the season when it's 162 games, I can understand why it's like, eh, whatever, I'll take a K here. Even though you don't want to do that, but so how do you feel about robo How do you feel about the robo umps? The the robo umps. Do you like it? ABS? Um ABS, yeah, as well. Yeah. We had a couple summer ball games with it. 
it's very cool. Oh, so you used it. Okay, okay. We did a little bit. Like we had like the when we did a couple inner squads and first of all, we had the trackman, which we kind of used it like ABS, and it's pretty close. I mean, there's some pitches that sometimes they'll misread, like balls that hit the dirt will read his strikes if the catcher catches it still like in the zone. So you just have to know like that's a ball. But like as far as like the depth of like the calls, it's pretty consistent. I just like the human element. Because to me, there's a knack of understanding an umpire zone and knowing how to set up a pitch the way you want. But I heard that's where the game's going, but it hasn't happened yet. So hopefully they push it off a little bit. But maybe yes, it, it's different. You guys were challenged and everything? We didn't do the challenging stuff. It was just an inner squad for fun, just to see like how it worked, how it how it kind of go down. Like we just essentially we didn't have all the tech for it. It was we had a guy with a trackman upstairs yelling down to our uh, guy behind on play like, ball or strike. It's like that. Gotcha. It was kind of cool. It, it was neat. It was different. Alrighty, so we're coming down to the end of the podcast. Yeah. Final rapid fire question. Uh, who do you think should be the next baseball player we bring onto this podcast? Anyone on the team? Who have you guys had? Because then I won't. We had, Brian, we had you. We had Alec last year, and we've had Brylan. Everyone else is up for grabs, basically. Well, oh, didn't we also? Oh, shame oh, on me. We had a coach, Coach Witten. We've also we, had, yeah, we had Witten. We had uh, Rundy as well. Kevin, you had that one. We had Rundy. Yes, Rundy, we had Rundy yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you a player and a coach. If it's okay. a coach, I'd say Jerallman. He's got tremendous Ooh. stories. If you want to talk about somebody yeah, that – well, if you want to pick somebody's brain about the process and how it all works, he's your guy. Nice guy too. Great guy. And he's, yeah. he'd be a guy that he'd actually come on here and interact. He'd be good. Like I would – that would be cool. I'd say for coach. For a player, I'd say either Jackson Richie or Kabarkas. I mean, those guys would be the heart and soul of our pitching staff and – if you want to have pitching, because I know obviously the question mark last year was pitching. That's the reality. They did a phenomenal yeah. job, but the guys got hit, whatever. But those, if you want to talk about in depth, those are your guys. You should probably go now. If you want to hear more right. of the pitching side, because it seems to me you've had a lot of hitters, which is good. I mean, you yeah, yeah. whoever can get on, but see if they're down yeah. for it. Let's do it. Johnny, we'll, you know what we'll, you're doing. We'll right? the diversity in, in, in the player positions that we get on this show. Oh, no, for sure. Because I mean, you probably hear the pitching, you're hitting side. You're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Probably guys said the similar things, a little bit different. But the pitching, especially like how Carson's helped them out and just how the pitching stuff has changed, those guys would be too. Because those are our, those two guys are captains on our team too. Like those are guys that would talk sure. to. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jake. Already then, Ryan, we do this again. Th- uh, b- before that, thank again, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We're, oh, we're getting sure, close guys. to hitting that hour mark. But uh, yeah, super me. cool guests. Happy to have you on twice. We don't have a lot of guests that show up on the podcast twice, but you know what? Uh, definitely uh, uh, earned that spot, Ryan. So um, I wanted to close this out by giving you the floor, right? Uh, if you have anything you want to say to the fans, your teammates, alumni, uh, coaches, anyone, the floor is now yours. So as you all know, we got opening day February 16th against Brooklyn LIU, you know, so FIU Nation and all of our alumni and supporters, we'd love to see you out there. And um, we're looking forward to a great year. We're going to give you all we got this year and pause up, baby. There we go. All righty. So we are going to wrap it up here with Jake, Johnny, Ryan. We have a cool episode on Friday. Um, may as well say it. we're going to have Carlton on Friday. Uh, he does a lot of play-by-play. He calls some of the best FIU home runs. He already did it for the World Series. 
I, we yeah, all, we very all energetic. Play. I love that. Like he was <laughs> <laughs> when you and him were calling the uh, the World Series. I was like, all right, I can see this working. Hey, it's we're gonna cook this year. That's all. That's all I'll say. So, are you guys doing so, ESPN broadcast? Are you all doing the um the Conference USA ones? ESPN Plus now, full time. We're doing ESPN Plus. A lot of a lot of cool stuff in the mix, though. Broadcast will be much improved, so that'll be exciting for 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 you guys. We have like that one camera. Right behind yeah. the plate, we have the one camera. Um, that was eh. Well, I've, I've heard some production stuff, and it's gonna be it's gonna be really really awesome. Um, They're gonna have like the camera in center, and then the two on the sides, and the one. Oh, yep. We need that. Yeah. Was the camera last dope. year? All these cool like highlights where you'd have this big old orange thing right behind the batters. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> Alrighty, from Jake, from Johnny, from Ryan. We'll see you guys all on Friday. Peace out. And as always, pause up, baby. Pause up. Pause up.